a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 12th January 2009. For the newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and on the website there you can download lots of talks I've given in the past where I try to tie a lot of things together to show you the big picture of what really runs the world, where it's going and how most people really are manipulated into working along this agenda which they're entirely oblivious of. Uh, Generally, out of good intentions, they work the agenda into being. For people, they'll never meet. For an agenda, the true agenda, they'll never ever understand, even when it hits them, and they will indeed be in shock. So I think there's over 600 talks I've given, which you can download for free. Also, look into Alan Watts Sentient, sentinel.eu, and you can download written transcripts of these talks, and they're written in the various languages of Europe. And for those who don't have my books yet, you can order them from cuttingthroughmatrix.com. You can also donate, and that keeps me going. And I know things are getting tight out there, because I talk to a lot of people from all over, and people are becoming worried about the economy, and they are right to be worried about it, because... It doesn't look so good after all. There's a second bailout package to come, and how many after that, I wonder, until everyone's going to end up in utter slavery to the World Bank, by the looks of it. Because government doesn't have money, it takes money from taxpayers to pay all these bailouts that they're they're handing out. As I say, there's more to come, and inflation will go rampant and so on. And for those who follow this particular station and others, they'll, they'll know all, all of this. They'll know the, the scenario. They know the cons are going on and they know we're in for a, a rough ride. So we have to hang on and come through it because after all, we didn't plan it. It certainly was planned though. And it was helped along and manipulated into existence. If you wonder why they hire all these great economists, how could, why would you hire economists if, if things like this happen? Why on earth would you do it if it's supposed to be a form of a science? What kind of science is this? And then we have the bottom economists always writing for newspapers, and they're never right on anything. It's quite something, the age in which we live. But over the weekend, I tried to watch a couple of videos. I tried to because I use satellite and for uploading and downloading and uh, you never get the speed of course that you pay for and especially since the industrial uh, military industrial complex owns the satellite I guess we're sharing it with the military and they get priority so I can watch some of the videos and and little bits and bites as it stops and starts and so on and I, I get the gist of things mainly and that's about it but I was watching one by Brian Gerrish, 
who lived in England and who started a little movement up to fight and expose a massive organization called Common Purpose. And as I was watching his video, he was going through the fact that this, this organization was already so enormous and had basically got members in the military, at the top of the military, members in tough police departments, city councils. It was all through Britain. And what struck me was how quickly these things spread because they're so well-funded and organized. And I'm going to go into this after the following break because it's very interesting what I was thinking about. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt. We're cutting to the Matrix discussing a video I watched the weekend made by Brian Gerrish of England who is an ex-submarine hunter. He was in some kind of frigate that chased the submarines during the Cold War. And he is now campaigning and talking in groups around the country to try and get people interested in combating an organization that has taken off like wildfire and yet it's so secretive as to its intentions, its motives and so on. But the, he, he goes through the funding that this organization gets and the techniques they use and the techniques really are very similar if not the same as that of the Chatham House and Chatham House is the head for the Royal Institute of International Affairs or for International Affairs where they're allowed, to, sometimes they're, they're told what they can tell the public, but they're also told not to mention to the public who said what, what and what kind of discussion that takes place within the house. I know in the old books of Chatham House, and I have some of them, they used to print the members who attended, and you can often tie in who said what by where they came from. And... Uh, this common purpose, as I say, is gets money from the, the CFR and different big organizations already. And because it seems to have got such leeway to penetrate into even local government and major government, the federal, federal governments, it has to be related, I think, in some way with intelligence service at the top. Just as there are IIA is also integrated with the intelligence service. In fact, Chatham House was the headquarters during World War II for the British and American OSS. But when I was watching the video, apart from all the, the discoveries this particular man had found about the organization and its networking and its incredible funding, incredible funding was that the time the public ever find out about anything that's really important that's going to affect their lives especially things which are outside of democracy it's always we've been run over already it's like a stampede that's coming your way and you're in the desert and you see the, the sandstorm coming and so on and by the time that, that you even know it's, it, it, what's happening, it's disappearing over the other horizon. 
And that's how most of these things work. They're so incredibly secretive. They're so heavily financed into existence that they almost can't lose. And part of the purpose, of common purpose, it seems, is to go for the youth in schools, they, they recruit teachers as well, who then recruit the children. And that reminded me right off the bat of the techniques used by the Cecil Rhodes Foundation and eventually the Lord Milner group that amalgamated with it. They called the, the youngsters who were being trained the kindergarten, Milner's kindergarten. So they're, they're, they're going to create new future leaders in all aspects of society. That seems to be their role. And as I say, it's outside of any democratic control. In fact, it's penetrated all of, of the democratic control. And I'm not surprised because we're, bringing, we're seeing in a, a new world order that's what's coming in. We're living through it. And Gorbachev and others have discussed this many, many times, that this coming transitional century, this is the century of change. It means it's a century to bring in this global society and not just a society uh, where we can continue as we have before, being good consumers and producers and so on, but a controlled society right down to population control uh, as, as in partnership with the old Soviet system, in fact, they brought many of the Soviet experts on board to amalgamate the two systems. And again, Professor Carl Quigley talks about that, and so did Norman Dodd of the Rees Commission. So that's what we're living through today. It's to be a heavily controlled society, which, of course, must portray itself as something completely different. Whenever anything is sold to the public in politics or in a political fashion, you'll never get the truth because power is power. I don't care who uh, is bringing in the power, who wants the power. Power is power, and they never tell the public their ultimate goals. And, and I think that's true in all administrations probably done through the centuries. And John, not John D, but uh, Francis Bacon said it's best the public never really know the true machinations of, of government, the true reasons that they do things. But I was also thinking about how on earth did we get here? Studying history gives you an idea, and even history is heavily spun. Ancient history can give us a lot, although it's mixed with mythology, because that's, that's how ancient history was written. History used to be written generally on command of a king or a potentate, and Therefore, the historian had to be politically correct as he wrote the, the history. He had to always glorify the king or his lineage or whatever. So you never get a true picture of, of history. Even ancient pharaohs were known to have lost battles and to have completely lied about the outcomes of the battles and re reversed the reality. The, this takes me on to culture, really. And, and culture creation and control. We always think that sometime in the past, and that's what the media often plays on when they give us, especially your mainstream uh, CBC type, BBC uh, plays that they put on, they always give you some self-glorified past. It can be, and they, they love the, I don't know why they love the, the, just the pre-Victorian age uh, or the Victorian age with the costumery and so on. 
but always pick the wealthy classes and give you these stories and so on. And, and, and that doesn't tell you any of the truth whatsoever because the majority of the people did not live like that. So they give us always a nice past to look back on a fake one. At least for most people it was fake. And why did they do that? Why do they, they, they always do that? They're, they're catering to human stress and emotion because we all want some kind of security and continuity and purpose for living, in fact. And culture generally gives to people, whole tribes, nations, clans, whatever, uh, a reason for being. That is why Darwin himself, when he came out with his origin of, of species, he said that a superior culture uh, with technology, etc., and what they called civilization, comes in and, over, and, and to occupies a country of inferior type, meaning those who are, he calls them fixed uh, societies, those who have not progressed their arrested development, you might say. That's what they often call it, too. Uh, then those people will lose whatever culture and, and, or, or reason for being that they had and will often disintegrate or perish through self-abuse. And we do certainly see this with, with some peoples who go into alcoholism and Africa has a lot of drugs in some areas, too. But it's a, it's a form of, of wiping oneself off the face of the map. It's self-destructive because the, the ideals and principles, which can often be very basic, are, are being taken from them. And again, reinforced by the predominating new culture that's come in, they will have often try and wipe out the old culture, which further disintegrates the people if they can't adapt, as they say, in Darwinian terminology. So... We are, we, we are much the same too, even in our own cultures, because when you read the communist philosophies or sciences, they call it, which are now included in the system of the West that brought them together a long time ago, because they knew exactly where they were going a long time ago. And that came out in the Rees Commission of Norman Dodd, that they knew this back in the 1950s then people who are older today will have a hard time adapting to the changes that are coming. And that's why they concentrate primarily on the youth. That's a, a normal strategy of Sovietization. The older ones are called contaminated. They have false ideas of past, etc., uh, false morality, outdated, antiquated, antique, obsolete. And you must go for the youth who will be the new ones who will come up. In other words, you can brainwash them perfectly. That's what that simply means, brainwashing. Children will believe whatever they're told by, by the superiors who manage them. And every tyrant in history has used the same techniques of going after the, the youth. And this brings me into something of the techniques that are used, because, again, I watched another... And, and broken pieces anyway. A video via satellite starts and stops by Adam Curtis. Adam Curtis has done documentaries for quite a few years, and then he was absorbed by the BBC. But during his, his sort of freelancing time, he turned out documentaries using archived footage, which the BBC and other countries had to do with the 20th century primarily and the wars and 
how even after World War II, the Nuremberg trials, the Nuremberg trials were opened off by, I think, a six-hour-long movie, with which had been put together by Hollywood, splicing bits of the Nazi propaganda together, all spliced, to ensure that those people on trial were portrayed in the worst light possible. So even that was set off with with uh, with fiction involved. I, I mean, it was not all fiction, but when you take anything out of context, you can certainly uh, make a different story once you patch it all together. And we're into the field of here of mind control and psychiatry because this was used to project onto the masses who must believe the official story. We'll be back with more after this message. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix discussing techniques really, techniques of managing the masses and giving them perceptions, the authorized perceptions. And I mentioned this man called Adam Curtis who studied in Oxford University, who was into the various sciences, behavioral sciences and so on. So he understood obviously these techniques and perhaps that's why he made uh, different different documentaries on them using archived information which wasn't shown to the public before but there it was they had it at places like the BBC and in Nuremberg trials they were set up to try and prove to the public that this was a just war a just war and they tried and I'll leave the links at the end of the site end of the show they tried to get uh, Goring to admit he was guilty and of course Goring had psychopathic qualities. He didn't see right and wrong the same way as anyone else. He saw whatever was functional for the period. But the whole idea was to try and, and get him to admit that through coercion and lies and deceit, they basically usurped government for their own ends by using a totalitarian form of, of government over the people. And Goring didn't deny that. He just didn't see anything wrong with it. He said it's the only thing that would work at that time. And of course, we remember the whole drive for a long, long time pre-World War II was to create the system of democracy. Democracy. This takes me into the second series, another series that Adam Curtis did on this very topic of democracy. But it's called Century of the Self. And it's fascinating, really. Remember, too, that with all exposés there's a lot omitted for instance he never goes into the, to the fact that down through the last hundred years there have been big organizations like the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the CFR and a host of other and the trilaterals and, and many many other organizations all working together to bring in their particular global system and they still use the term democracy but it's so secretive and, and, and so all infiltrating through all, it, all systems of government uh, that it's just too big for the average person to, to manage even in their head. It's so huge because they're heavily funded, have hundreds of departments working on special projects and so on. But it's still worth watching Adam Curtis's uh, series of, of 
videos here going through the techniques that they used. Now, they used in just at the end of World War One, Edward Bernays. Everyone's heard his name. He was the nephew of Freud. And supposedly, we're told, he used Freud techniques of understanding uh, this vast sea of the unconscious that's in everyone, the, the vast sea of, of emotions and, and thoughts and symbols and so on, to use that on the, the people to create a form of democracy. And he was hired by President Wilson when he was only about 24, apparently, so we're told. I think there's a lot more to this man myself. But to go over what to, the, to set up the League of Nations and went over to France and they had this amazing big parade and all the rest of it as really promoting the birth of a new order, world order, even, even back then, and to bring in democracy. So Edward Bernays, the nephew of Freud, uh, was heavily involved in the setting up of the techniques that would be used for propaganda purposes. And he was open about the term initially called propaganda. Uh, he wrote a book called Propaganda. It's worth reading on how, how to manipulate the masses. And Bernays went on to have an amazing career. And he, he ended up being a very, very old man. They lived to a long age, these guys, who have no particular scruples. And while he was doing all this kind of stuff, the daughter of Freud had basically taken over the budding institute of psychiatry in fact she was the, the head person for the basically the world's institutes or institutes of psychiatry and her word was law whatever she said became law basically in psychiatry and their whole opinion in psychiatry at the end of World War One, between the two wars was that the general person within the population average person couldn't be trusted to literally make rational decisions on anything. Uh, they saw the people as a big mob, basically, the vast mob, who simply reacted on whimsical emotions that all came out of this great unconscious that Freud called it. And this stuff was taken seriously by governments who were always wary of the people they, they, they rule over. So Edward Bernays went on to have a career helping politicians make policies, etc., how to market ideas to the public using Freud's techniques. But I, I think it's beyond Freud, to be honest. I think this man was trained uh, in a much greater depth of understanding because he appears, as I say, at 24, knowing all this stuff. And supposedly, in his own words, he just read a book by his uncle. I don't believe that at all. I think he was specially trained for his role. And psychiatry became a very powerful tool uh, in helping governments manage its peoples and get policies across. But he also went into marketing at the same time, working for big private clients and big banks like Lehman Brothers. And we're back with more of the story after the following break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
Dino and Watt, and we're cutting through Matrix, discussing some videos made by Adam Curtis on the century of self, as they call it, where they used, he talks about Edward Bernays, who, this incredible man, was the, the supposed genius behind mass marketing, and then individual, actually categorizing different types of people according to what the, you could basically sell them by understanding their psychology. But he also was an advisor to presidents. And then he was also working at the same time with big banking institutions and Lehman Brothers who were developing big chains of clothing and appliance outlets across the country. They brought him in to try and find ways to convince the public to, to stop buying things because they would last long and they were good quality, etc., but to make them want things by using uh, these, these inhibited or suppressed emotions. So these things would fulfill, uh, be a temporary fill for these suppressed emotions. And again, Edward Bernays, were told, had this great ability to understand the problem right away and make it work, to find ways around it. He also, at one point, had a client who ran the whole of uh, Guatemala at one point. And it was a big, massive company, a fruit company, mainly bananas. And everybody worked uh, on banana plantations. And his client in the U.S., was upset because a new president had been elected who was not communist by the way he was socialist to the extent that he wanted to share the wealth with the people and so this uh, the, the company based in the states asked him to fix it in some way or another so Bernays went to into action he went to see Eisenhower and between them they conspired to convince the public that, that this man this president that was elected was a, a communist, which they knew he wasn't. And they even set up a, a movie company to turn out news, fake news reels on this man to show you that he was a red menace living next door. And the U.S. taxpayer funded a war with Guatemala. And they went in there and bombed the bejesus out of Guatemala. And at the end of it, the U.S. put in their own puppet regime the company was paid, paid Mr. Bernays very well for restoring their, their big, massive fruit plantations and so on. And the U.S. taxpayer funded the war. But we're not dealing here with just little con men. We're dealing with people who have the psychopathic abilities who are up at the top. But they also have some kind of knowledge of the sciences of real psychology, motivational behavior and so on. And at that time, at that period, people were used to, as I say, buying things to last for a long time. And he worked on the, on, on the way to get people to buy the cheaper, shoddy goods and get used to the idea that, that something that was older was somehow no use. Something that was new was always better. And he was very, very efficient at doing that too. So he was the father, really, of marketing. He was the guru of marketing. And his techniques were swallowed up by all the, the marketing companies that blossomed throughout not only the States, but all through Europe as well. 
and they're still used today to run our mines. There's not a single project put out by any government that doesn't have to go through marketing companies so that they can sell the idea to the public. Now remember, the idea is never to tell you the truth, but to sell you the idea, because we fall for ideas. We like to hear things that elevate us into some great, wonderful future or whatever. We like the terms they use, and they're deliberately picked and chosen for us. And they truly do have society down to a very fine art, because from Bernays too, they came out with focus groups where they would bring people in to test products. A bunch of the observers would stand behind two-way mirrors and watch and record the, the reactions of people to different products. They targeted initially the women with fashion. In fact, they brought in the miniskirt. This was long before the 60s, because they tried it in the 20s too. They got women to smoke, so it could seem that, that, that this was a, a power symbol, having a cigarette was a power symbol. And so they hired top uh, people to, at a particular show in New York, I think it was, to suddenly start smoking and made it very daring to do and that was picked up immediately by, by women who saw this, and they started smoking. He did the same thing with, with getting women to drink different kinds of alcohol. To Bernays, the average person was completely malleable. If you simply observe an individual for long enough, you, you, can, you can find his weak spots or her weak spots, and you can exploit it. And that's the whole, the whole process of this is exploitation. All marketing is exploitation. They're trying to sell you something or make you do something or even change your lifestyle from government wanting you to behave in a different way. This is all done through specific marketing. And then in the 60s, the 1960s, there was a sudden change, the saying, and it's, again, it's in this series that I'm going to put the links up for at the end of the show, where the youth were so sick of the, the mass marketing culture and this caused a problem for those at the top, the, the, big, the big salesmen, economists. How do we get this group to buy products? How do we turn them into, from hippies to, to people who will actually buy products? And so they studied them. Like any other group, you study them. And eventually they realized that there was a change going on. People wanted more individuality to be recognized, really, as individuals. And at the same time, Entrepreneurs came out using the same psychological marketing techniques, Delphi techniques, and so on, and started teaching groups on motivational behavior therapy. All psychology and psychiatry combined. And that took off like a rocket with people who were technically unhappy with their lifestyles, unhappy with life in general, and they wanted to change themselves. So once again, change is good, as they say. And the CIA, of course, were involved heavily in the studies to do with any kind of behavior modification which comes under mind control. In the videos, I say, the links are put up. You'll see that there was the Esalen Institute, one of the first biggies, that tried to alter different people's behavior. They tried to alter uh, black people's behavior in the States uh, by some forms of encounter groups and they weren't too successful, so they tried it on a convent in, in uh, Los Angeles. 
And within a few weeks, they had literally, and, and this they'll tell you on the video, by, by altering their inhibitions and their common sense on anything, uh, the, the convent stopped. Uh, they just closed its doors after about six weeks because the nuns had all abandoned everything been told that everything they had was a suppressed emotion, let it go, and they all became lesbians. This is the power of this motivational type behavior modification that people generally pay to get done to them. And those who remember that time, remember the role thing and all the other techniques that they used. And in the video, you'll see people writhing about, you'll see them on the floor, you'll see them uh, kicking their heels on the floor, uh, putting their legs up and down as they're sitting on chairs in rapid motions. These are the same techniques you'll see in what they call the Toronto Blessing, where these con, con men Christians uh, pretend that the Holy Ghost is coming into people. But you'll see the exact same movements and the writhing and the screams and so on that's used in these motivational behavior therapy lessons. So I'm tying the similar, the same technique together, even through certain religions and TV evangelists that do this kind of stuff. I could go into the whole techniques of why it works and how it works, but we don't have time on tonight's show. But as I say, that was the promotion of the self at that time, trying to create the, the, the self, and that's when. Everything started to come out in the 70s and 80s as your personal. Whatever it was it was selling, it was a personal item. If you were buying something electronic, it was your personal radio, or it was your even personal photocopier. Now it's personal computer. That's where all that came from, because the big marketers with their experts were studying segments, vast segments of society. And that's why they want data on every single person, so they can market right to you and make you buy something you hadn't thought of. And governments, again, are completely interwoven now with these same behavior modification specialists called marketers. Marketers work for governments. They work in campaigns for elections. They work to, to, and they study all opposition, by the way, through their polls and find ways to overcome that. It's quite fascinating how they do it. But what it shows you is that so many people, so many people in today's society are malleable. Now let's go back to the initial concept of this. At the end of World War One, now let's remember, World War One was not created by just ordinary people. It was the heads of governments who declared war on each other. The heads of government were, governments were interwoven at that time with empire building. And you had three main people competing for empire, although Britain had the largest. You also had France and Germany prior to World War I trying to build up empires, which also meant uh, as a lucrative business for materials and resources for big uh, owners of, or big corporation owners who became fabulously rich through the wars. But at the end of World War I, here's the, here's the mind bender, because as I say, all the psychiatrists and their, the Freudian psychiatrists came out and blamed the ordinary people for the wars. And that fixation, that it was all the fault of the common man and woman, has stayed with psychiatry ever since. 
Darwin and others have come, came out and said that psychiatry and psychiatrists should be on the board of every government to ensure that the politicians are all perfectly sane. Now, what makes the psychiatrists think they're any better or reasonable, more reasonable or rational for that matter? And this philosophy held true for a long, long time. But instead, mainly the psychiatrists, what you've got is an expects the best thing. You have these, you have the, the Bernay types, the marketer types working with government to get them into government, to get parties in, and to manage the people throughout through perception, alteration, or distortion. Not to give truth to the public, but to distort your perceptions on things, on events. The, the marketers, and in another series done by Adam Curtis too, he, he shows you these guys working with big politicians, Margaret Thatcher, Bill Clinton, and others. And you'll even hear it said that they had no intention, really, of fulfilling any promises. They just wanted the public to believe that they were changing and going off in a different direction. You'll hear it said by those involved. Life is a stage, isn't it? The world's a stage, and these guys are always playing to the public, but it's never for the public's benefit. But they're still under the same impression that the general public cannot be trusted. If you wonder why we're going into this century with massive observation on every individual with incredible data keeping on everything that the individual does. With cameras everywhere, IDs being shown, ID cards being shown across Europe and the States and different places. And we know it's not the end of it, the chip is still to come. It's all from this initial idea of those who ruled in the early 20th century that the people were unstable, irrational, and could not be counted on to make rational decisions. As I say, they were told by people like Freud that the average person was just, he would just act out unconscious desires and never know why. This tied in, of course, because psychiatry, from its very inception, was completely tied in with eugenics. Utterly. And in fact, there are, there's other videos out there to do with the psychiatrists in Germany, Nazi Germany, and how almost every psychiatrist in Germany became a, a Nazi party member because the philosophies that Adolf Hitler was pushing were so pretty well identical with their own. The idea being, coupled with Darwinism and Freudism, that in survival of the fittest, that there were inferior types in society. And the, it also bolstered the ruling elite of the, of the day because they, they believed themselves, we, we must be the most evolved species at the top, since we are at the top. And because we have this power and because we have amassed vast fortunes, and held on to it through generations. We are obviously the elite, while those below are almost a separate species. And I say that that's when it all started, 
psychiatry gave credence to this, they backed it up. And there was a fight on, in fact, for psychiatrists to get placed on the boards of all governments of the world. The League of Nations advocated it on various occasions. The, the, the United Nations has advocated it at certain times. If you wonder why you see this massive campaign for mental health, where they want everyone to be monitored from birth onwards throughout life, but they're starting with the children, not to spook the adults. It's all to do with this one same single agenda that those at the top came to conclusions a long time ago that you cannot make a rational decision. You are a potential criminal. You have the potential to be a criminal. You have the potential to be maladjusted. They will tell you what adjusted means. It's to bring in this Sovietized system that was experimented on in the Soviet Union. And it's been perfected in the West. That's where it's all coming from. But as I say, Adam Curtis does one fatal thing, and, and he omits, omits through all of this. How come the agenda towards the world governmental system has gone on unimpeded, regardless of what party was ever voted in in any country? He doesn't go in to the mandates of the, the bureaucrats and their policies. I'll be back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, discussing just a little bit about the marketing techniques that have been used for 100 years to alter and shape culture. I said a long time ago that we're, you have to find who you are. The hardest thing is to find who you are in this day and age because we tend to be compasses of all our indoctrinations, a lot of which were completely oblivious that we've even had. Because culture is controlled and created and updated, not by chance and not just for profit. Profit's a big thing, but it's also done because there, there is a parallel government that wants to control everyone. And they're bringing us through part of the transition phase. And they have a whole bunch of transition phases as they phase out the old man through transhumanism and bring out the new. And they must sell that idea, which they're doing very well to people. There's a lot of people emailed me thinking that they, they deserve uh, to, to be part cyborg or have longevity. And I, I always refer back to Bertrand Russell and Aldo Huxley, who mentioned that there are a lot of people who think they will deserve it, but they're not even in the running. Getting back to Bernays, it's, it's astonishing. He's a nephew of Freud. Who, whose daughter, Anna, ends up being the head for many years, most of her life, of, America, of the, the, the World Psychiatric Federation. Even the patients she treated, you'll hear this on the video, personally, generally committed suicide, so she did a great job on them, but that didn't matter because the propaganda of making her famous, because she makes stars, including stars in psychiatry, and stars in politics, and stars anywhere else, they are made. 
by the same industry, the marketing industry. But then you, you go down through these particular videos and you'll also see, I think it's the great-grandson of Freud, who, who's married to the daughter of Rupert Murdoch and his big conglomerate chain, and how they changed the media using this, young, this younger Freud, using his ideas. He owned a massive marketing company and how they blended in news with advertising in actual stories themselves. You realize that. They also came up with the idea of putting uh, brand name products in the big, big movies, etc. And having famous stars mentioning these products at least twice in every interview. Uh, everything is a show and it's also marketing and selling. Everything. There's nothing real on the big screen or the TV screen. It's all strategy so that you will perceive things in a certain way. And they also understand what we go through are milestones as a young man or a, or a woman from childhood, and they segregate it all up and mark it right to you, even bypassing the parents. How to, how to bypass parents and make the child get what they want without the, the parents even being aware that they've given in to the child's demands. Incredible psychology is at play. By using these techniques, they hope to control a world society. But as we go through the initial changes into the world system, we have to go through the totalitarian system and get used to that as well, because that's all part of the training. Every camera on the road is meant to create fear within you. There's always another reason for what you see around you. That's it for tonight. I hear the music coming in. And it's a very short hour because there's so much to say about this. I'll probably say more tomorrow. So from Hamish and myself, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.